Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Joey Vitale with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, Michelle revealed during our last segment that (laughs) she really does love those Entenmann's chocolate donuts microwaved for 13 seconds. From the 314, this text, Michelle, the chocolate Entenmann's are absolutely the best. I don't eat donuts, but I eat those. Wow. So Joey Vitale obviously understands baking, having... um, baked a lot of things over the course of his life and been to a lot of bakeries and has maintained incredible physical condition under those circumstances. Joey V, first of all, uh, good morning. How are you doing today? Well, Randy, I'm doing great now. Thanks for that great compliment. God, I needed that. I needed that because, you know, I haven't been stepping out in the public in a while and, and that felt good. Yeah, I've been able to maintain somewhat good physique given all the donuts I've been eating. But, you know, one thing that I've been managing well is I haven't had your carrot cake in a while. So that's kind of kept the pounds off. And it's, it's funny about your carrot cake. So my neighbors, I got to throw this out there really quickly. They're baking out of a Traeger. They're smoking out of their Traeger the other day. And you know when, like, your neighborhood, someone's smoking, all the dads kind of sniff it out like <laughs> dogs. <laughs> we all get together. And so we're all kind of talking around this Traeger, and they're talking about their rubs, and they're talking about their cuts, and what, what butcher do they use. And out of nowhere, out of left field, they go, you guys ever throw a carrot cake on this thing? And I got some looks like you could not believe it. They thought I was, like, drunk or something. They're like, what are you talking about, V? I'm like, carrot cake, you ever throw a carrot cake on that thing? I'm like, you can't bake on a Traeger. I go, no, yes, you can. I had the best carrot cake of my life, Randy Character. <laughs> Thank you very much. And all they need to do is go to the Traeger website. The recipe's right there on the Traeger website, Joey. Ah, see, I should have told them that. That, that would have gave me a little bit more, um, I guess, a little bit more butt, uh, a little more booty to my yeah. argument right there would have helped. You are so right about when somebody is barbecuing in the neighborhood and all the guys... Hmm, somebody's barbecue. I wonder what that could be. Hmm. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. Like they were doing a chicken, and the guy's like doing, you know, the chicken, you put the beer can underneath the chicken. Everyone does that now. Ooh. And the, the guy does uses a, he uses a Budweiser. And, and the one other guy neighbor's like, you can't use a Budweiser. That's a lager. He's like, why not? He goes, oh, you got to use stout. I, I, I use Guinness because Guinness, and he starts going into the chemistry. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, oh, no, you always got to use a stout. It's some thickness to the meat. Uh, the, the lager goes right through it, and they're arguing about what beer to use for the beer can chicken. It's amazing. I love this. In my mind, as you guys are describing this, I'm picturing dads opening the front door and walking kind of like zombies on the street in their basketball shorts and a you know, beer in their hand, maybe a bathrobe like Tony Soprano. It's like, it's like they can't help it. They're drawn to the to the grill. That's just it. And you know what? We, we have to argue because we got to argue with someone else besides our wives and our kids for once. So whatever kind of argument that uh, can happen because of this um, smoking fiasco that's going on, we're, we're all in. Yeah, and with the absence of sports, you can't really debate anything, so you're going to debate over the grill. But, Joey, we talked earlier in the show yesterday, marked the one-year anniversary of the Blues advancing to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1970. Randy and I shared our experience of what it was like in Enterprise Center as we counted down to the final horn and Gloria played. Can you take us back to that day and how you remember it? 
Well, it was a very special one for, for many reasons. Uh, for the Blues going back to the final, we, we, we just had a, a stranglehold on that series. And I hate to say it wasn't as exciting as the Dallas series, but quite frankly, to be honest with you, it wasn't as exciting to me as the Dallas series. The Dallas series, we were down in that series. We go to Dallas, back against the wall. We battle back. We come home. We win in double OT. I mean, that was just sheer excitement. San Jose, you know, after talking to John Kelly, we, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago on our show, and he said it was probably the easiest series for the St. Louis Blues last year, and, and I agree. So as great as game six was, you, you just never felt that after that hand pass, the Blues were going to give up any inch. And those last three games of that series, every game, the final three after that hand pass, they allowed two goals in the final three games of that series. They pretty much just wiped the table with the San Jose Sharks so from a game standpoint, from a series standpoint, from an excitement standpoint, it wasn't uh, quite what it uh, was mounted up to be compared to the Dallas series. But the fact that the Blues were going to the Stanley Cup final again, I mean, seeing the trophy on the ice, all the players staying away from it, Sammy Blay going down on one knee, I remember like yesterday, um, the gears quickly turned. You go from winning the Western Conference final and then immediately, I mean immediately, you look at the Boston Bruins. Now, keep in mind, guys, the Boston Bruins had been sitting on their bus for about a week mm-hmm. leading up to this final game because they had swept the Carolina Hurricanes. So they were just waiting, 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 hoping the Sharks and Blues would go game seven. Of course, the Blues uh, didn't do that. And then so you immediately just shifted to the Boston Bruins. So as exciting as it was that night, and after talking to a lot of the players, they were thinking Boston, Boston, Boston. Uh, so as exciting as it was, you knew right away that the gears needed to shift quickly because the Blues were heading into probably their toughest opponent of the postseason. And Joey, Michelle and I were talking earlier about how happy we were that because of this year, the Blues won last year. But looking at it from a different perspective, the window of opportunity that the San Jose Sharks had was a long window. It might have been about 20 years, but the Blues looks like slammed that window of opportunity for them to win a Stanley Cup. They slammed it shut with that victory over the Sharks. I think two things happened uh, for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, well, I guess a couple, few things. But Pavelski, you look at uh, their captain leaving uh, because of what the Blues did to them last year. I mean, that's number one. You lose their heart and soul. I mean, this uh, Pavelski is just the heart and soul. Uh, he, he's a self-help guru. He reads books. He's a natural-born leader. He goes to the Olympics. He'll captain the Olympic team for the USA. I mean, so there's so much that they lost with Pavelski. But it all kind of spawned because they lost last year and he was a UFA. So, to your point, Randy, when you lose and you got to free up some UFA and you can't afford certain people, Joe Thornton, he's getting older. He can't hang on much longer. Uh, you signed Carlson to that lucrative deal. And, I, I, listen, I know he is a Norris guy and he's got all kinds of talent in the world and his offensive instincts are incredible. But it kind of comes back to when you pay a player around $10 million, do you hamstring your team? So I think that was a, uh, looking back, hindsight 2020, it, possibly a mistake for the San Jose Sharks moving forward and closing that window. Yes, you sign a superstar, but yes, maybe as a team, you do close that window. And, and to me, guys, I really feel like with the Carlson and the Kane uh, the contracts, the San Jose Sharks, of course, losing Joe Thornton and now Pavelski, uh, Brett Burns is still a pretty good player, but you, you do kind of close that window and you, you have some superstars, but then you have a big drop-off from there. The goaltending uh, wasn't, exceptional from Aaron Dell last year and Martin Jones. So you look at those two pieces, we know goaltending can mean so much to a team. So there's definitely some things that the San Jose Sharks certainly need to figure out about it, but credit to the St. Louis Blues for kind of hammering that home. You know, this is the same thing with the Winnipeg Jets too. The Winnipeg Jets, they beat them in the first round. They look like they had a nice window as they went to the Western Conference final a couple of years before that to face the Vegas Golden Knights. 
Uh, the Blues beat them last year, and they lose just a whole bunch of huge pieces on the back end, and the Winnipeg Jets were never able to seem to recover from that. Well, Joey, we certainly hope the Blues can repeat, but first got to get him back on the ice. And we got word that the NHLPA started voting on the proposed 24-team conference-based playoff format, and hopefully that will get the ball rolling to bringing hockey back. I want to get your opinion. What do you think about that proposed format? Do you like the setup? Well, I do. I like it for a lot of reasons. I like the more teams you can get involved, the better. I think uh, a lot of purists out there say, oh, you're losing some integrity by including 24 teams. It should be more like 20, because why are you rewarding the Chicago Blackhawks or the Montreal Canadiens? To me, personally, I love it. I think the more teams you get involved, the better. You include 24 teams, so you do include Montreal. That's a big market. Chicago is now involved. Another big market. New York Rangers are going to be involved. Another huge market. And to me, guys, this is all about promoting the game, getting more buzz, getting more energy around the game. So if you can include these big market teams, to me, let's go. Uh, the new format, from what I, from what I understand, I'm talking to a couple of players and reading uh, some from Pierre Lebron, appears it's going to be split over two 12 teams in each conference uh, across the country. So it'll be maybe, let's say, for example, one in Las Vegas, one in Toronto. And then within those 12 teams, They've gone back and forth a lot about this, and I actually think they found a very good uh, middle ground. Uh, for a while there, they were talking about some bottom-feeding teams playing a best of three to get into the playoffs, but then meanwhile, the top teams would just be sitting on their butts, and then they would be at a disadvantage. So how are we going to make this work? So the top four teams are going to play basically a round robin. They're going to play each other once. So it'll be four games there, and then the bottom eight teams in each conference we're going to play a best of five series. So that way, every team is getting playing experience in, uh, and then basically the bottom eight teams are going to be fighting their way best of five to make it to the, to the playoffs. The top four teams are essentially have a bye, but they're playing each other, so they're still getting their reps in. Now, those are important games for the St. Louis Blues. Let's just take them, for example, because that's the most important team we care about. They're in the number one seed. Now, they're going to have some round-robin games. If they don't win those games, and let's say Dallas can catch them, or, or Colorado certainly can catch them. So if they lose those games and lose out and Colorado wins out, Colorado can go to that first seed and the St. Louis Blues can fall to that bottom two seed. But assuming all that, if the Blues can stay in that number one seed, it looks like they would be playing, let's say, a Calgary-Winnipeg. That seems to be the 8-9 spot right there. So it does seem to be a good middle ground. Uh, so that's the what. They got the what kind of figured out. You mentioned the players are going to be voting on this over the next day or two. We should have some news by the weekend, I think, as far as what the players think about this. Uh, hopefully it doesn't have to go to a league-wide vote, and hopefully they just say, yes, this is a good plan, let's move forward. That will take care of the what. Now, the when and where, the league isn't quite ready to throw that out there yet. There's a bunch of hub cities that are still trying to consider. Vegas, Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver all seem to be the top four. So the where hopefully gets kind of sorted out soon. And then the when. We're still kind of waiting to see what's going on in the world here to figure out the when. But this is a huge step in the right direction to me, and I think it's got some real good promise moving forward. Joey V, always great uh, insight and breakdowns. Thank you very much. Enjoy your holiday weekend with your family, and we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, you two. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, brother. See you. That is Joey Vitale with us on 101 ESPN.